This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, good morning. I'm Roshan Kanison and welcome to Raise Your Game. With less than three months before we entered 2024, we've now again entered crunch time for sales teams to meet their budgets and KPIs for the year. So today on Raise Your Game, we continue and finish up our three-part series with Jeevan Sahadevan, the founder of Leverage Labs on sales. Last week, we got into how building value around your products and services and how to generate desire in prospects to buy. Today, we're going to explore psychology that goes into closing a sale. You will learn the factors that influence the closing of sales from benefits and values to your skills in overcoming objections, as well as how best to follow up with prospects until you seal the deal. Uh, Leverage Labs, Jeevan Sardevan joins us today. Jeevan, welcome back. Good to be here, as always. Um, let's do a quick uh, TLDR for the last two weeks for those who may not have joined us. Okay. Take us through so, the key lessons so and how it informs today. A, a big framework, a bit of a map. Um, so the three parts to this whole series that we've done on sales. So the first one, part one, we looked at two critical skills. We looked at building rapport and, and all the keys that you need to do in order for a prospect to build, sorry, a salesperson to build rapport with a prospect. And the whole point being people buy from people they like and trust. So we looked at how to go about building rapport. And then we looked at what is known as a prospect diagnostic, how to actually diagnose a prospect in order to know what are the factors that motivate a person to buy. Then we moved on in the second session, we moved on to two very big areas, building value, how to build value around your products and services and generating desire, which where I disclose one of my formulas for doing just that, a really powerful formula called the FBAT, where you look at features, benefits, advantages and testimonials. Today, having done building rapport and diagnosing of a prospect and building value and generating desire, today we go into the three different areas. The first one, the psychology of closing. What, what is the psychology that actually goes into closing a sale? And then we look at overcoming objections and finally following up. Three areas, very big areas. So all of this completes the picture for people when it comes, for salespeople especially, when it comes to getting out there and building all of your skills to close as much sales as you possibly can. So today's session is going to be very interesting as there's a whole big psychology yeah. component to it. Let's start with the psychology then. Um, what are the key factors that influence uh, closing sales? Okay, so, so let's go right in. Now, when it comes to the psychology of closing sales, there are four big, I call it the big four, four areas. The first one is beliefs. You want to look when a salesperson isn't closing sales. One of the things you want to look at is the person's beliefs. And a belief is simply what you hold to be true. In other words, uh, what is it that you it, that's in your head that you hold to be true and your behavior is a result of that belief. So this is very interesting. There's actually a word called praxis, P-R-A-X-I-S. Praxis is about the integration of belief with behavior. So whenever you hold very strong beliefs, your behavior integrates with that belief. And if you believe that it's, it's very difficult to close sales in this market, guess what? you're not going to close a lot of sales in this market. So what's the solution here? You, and you can't just tell the person, hey, believe better. You can't really just do that. So the solution really is one magic word. So if you look at a person's belief, whether you believe that God exists or God doesn't exist, or you believe that you can close uh, big sales in this market or you can't close sales in this market, or whatever you believe in life, everything comes from one source. Just one source. Whatever belief you hold in your life, it all comes from one source. And the source is references. 
So all your beliefs come from your references. So for instance, why do you believe certain things? You may have references for that. For instance, you believe God exists because you have a reference for that. Your parents uh, may have taught you about God. When you prayed, you had your prayers answered. You have references for it. You may believe you're handsome or a woman believes she's beautiful because she has references for that. People could be saying that on Instagram or whatever it is. So you've got a whole bunch of references. So when it comes to beliefs, what the person needs to do is to acquire references. And it's really easy now. You can go to Google, you can join Facebook groups, you can you can get it from friends all over the place. But you want to get references that you can close a lot more sales in whatever market you're in than references of how you can't close those sales. So one of the things I tell people in sales is hang out with the closers. The people who are closing big deals, their beliefs are different and the praxis of these people are very different. Their behaviors correspond to those different beliefs. So when you start seeing that, you open your mind. So read a lot. Read a lot of books. Read magazines, uh, books. uh, Meet more new people because all of this affects your beliefs. Now, from your beliefs comes the second of the big four, which is skills. So a person develops the kind of skills according to what he or she believes. So when you believe that telemarketing is a very good way to get prospects you will develop the skill of telemarketing and you'll just get better and then you'll keep believing that it's such a good way if you believe networking is an awesome way to meet a lot of prospects then you'll attend more networking functions and you'll get a lot better at networking as well so skills come out of your beliefs so whatever beliefs you're holding to be true your skills will come out of it so it is very important that you identify those references that will give you better beliefs and your skills will come out of it. Now, what holds these things together, these two, is what is known as values. A belief is what you hold to be true. A value is what you hold to be important. So you want to also take a look at what are the things you should hold to be important if you want to be successful in sales. What must you value? For instance, in the last two sessions, we spoke about building rapport, prospect diagnostics, building value, generating desire. You have to start to value these things. Whenever I train salespeople or any organization that has heavy um, heavy work in sales, I always tell them we need to value some new things. And for instance, you want to value time. Your time management is very critical. You've got to value that. You've got to be early for appointments. You want to value prospecting. You want to value the prospect itself, the person itself. You want to value that. So you want to start looking at what are the things you should value in order for you to be truly successful. Value money, value Uh, the overcoming of objections, whatever that may be. So that's values. And all of this sits in a place called your identity. So your identity is how you see yourself. This is very, very big. And there's a lot of psychology around this as well. So your identity, everything comes, is born out of that, how you see yourself. And that's your I am statement. You know, if you say, I'm not good in sales. For instance, I had a person come up to me in a seminar and he says, uh, you know, I'm not a born salesperson. I say, look, there's no gene for selling. There's a gene for colorblind, <laughs> but there's no gene for selling. So it's a skill. You got to work at it. You got to you get better at it. So the person's identity was, I could never be good at sales. So from that would be born your values, your skills, your beliefs. Everything's going to come out of that. So your identity is very, very important. So this forms the big four. The big four in your psychology of selling, the whole psychology of selling, this is the big four. And you've got to work on it. So in today's session, what we're looking at is three areas. First is the big four, which is the psychology of selling. And you want to spend some time. And I tell salespeople, you really got to invest time on this one. And it's it sometimes feels like boring work, you know, to look at your beliefs, to look at your skills, to look at your um, values, to look at your identity. But it's very powerful work. So this is going to get you moving really quickly. 
So there's a little bit of a funnel effect as well, right? Because your beliefs lead to your skills, but you know, right. your beliefs are then formed from your references. So That's at right. the top of the funnel is really the inputs, is the, yeah, references, the references that you exactly. around you exactly. in your life, exactly. uh, kind of like the the five people you keep around you influence exactly. the exactly what your you income are. and all that. So then your values have yeah. your beliefs and your skills yeah. in it, and all of it builds your identity. That's now, right. With identity, sometimes you know you can the. I, the adage uh, "fake it till you make it" seems to yep. come into play. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about you know what you think about this and whether okay. it does anything to really sustainably build that identity, or whether it's a little bit of like a slippery slope. A okay, slippery so road. that's a very loose statement that's said a lot in sales: "fake mm. it till you make it." Like go buy your Rolex watches or buy your Mercedes or, mm. or whatever it is. That whole "fake it till you make it," but you got to understand something about that concept and what it what it's really trying to do here. So what you're really looking at is this whole concept of consciousness. So your consciousness, if you're a salesperson with no sales and you're struggling to make money or to close sales, so your consciousness is one of poverty. So what you want to develop is the consciousness of wealth. So the funny thing is you can develop that consciousness of wealth immediately. Immediately you can fake that consciousness until it becomes a real consciousness within you. For instance, if you look at a person who's obese and a person who's extremely fit, they both have very different consciousness. The consciousness of the obese person is no matter what I do, I'm always going to put on weight. And the consciousness of the fit person is however I look at life, I must always take time for exercise and I'll always be fit. So it's different consciousness. So this whole concept of fake it will make it is just a weak understanding of consciousness. And understanding your consciousness is, is the kind of consciousness you want to embrace. For instance, if you're a person doing 10000 a month in, in commissions and sales and you want to be taking home, say, 30000 a month in commissions from your sales, you must develop the consciousness of a person who takes home 30000 a month in sales. What kind of person is this? How does he talk? How does he prospect? How does he follow up? How does he, what time does he get up? What does he do? You develop the consciousness. So when initially you don't have that, you can fake that in a sense, and then you start becoming it. So it's more of an internal thing. It's not so much about the Rolexes and the and the cars. I tell people, hey, you want to buy a Rolex? If it, if it works for you, get it. But it's not about it. You could close, close a ton of sales without any of this stuff. You don't need any branded, branded things around you. If you've got the consciousness of confidence and adding tremendous value to your prospects and clients, you can close a huge amount of sales in just your T-shirt and shorts. If you want. So it really comes back down to this whole concept of consciousness, actually. So the idea of, uh, if, you, if you tie this back to references, um, something like having these material objects don't yeah. necessarily yeah. make good references. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't work either way. It could work or it couldn't work. It's really up to you. If it helps you develop a better consciousness, more confidence, then by all means, go mm. for it. If it doesn't, it doesn't really matter as well. But see, when the prospect starts talking to you, within five minutes, they can sense a consciousness out of you. And when they start sensing this person is extremely confident about the product he's selling and the value it's going to give me, they start to want to know more. Mm. They can sense that right out of you, right out of the bat, when you start talking and the way you the way you sit, the way you the way you move, the questions you ask, the beliefs you have, it's all apparent. It becomes very apparent within five minutes. So you know, I often hear uh, that having dressing well and you yep. know looking the part play play into sales, right? But yeah. how would you, I guess, quantify how important it is in, re in, re in relation to the whole psychology? Okay, so here's another element here. So it's all about being in rapport with a prospect. So I always tell people, dress well, dress up so you can dress down. Because if you dress down, you can't dress up. So for instance, let's say you show up in a suit. You show up in a suit and the guy's in a, in a t-shirt and jeans. Now you're out of sync in terms of, of image-wise with this person. So you can quickly take out your jacket, roll up your sleeves and sit there and have a 
chat. But if you showed up in a t-shirt and jeans and that person's in a full suit, you're there's nothing you can do to 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 match that to get mm-hmm. in sync with that. So dressing uh, dressing up well is always a good start, and then you can adjust yourself according to the environment. But it's always a better thing to do to be I mean uh, to be hygienic, to be clean, to dress well, to look presentable. These things always carry weight. There's even some psychology studied on this where they say the ultimate salesman's attire is a dark blue suit, white shirt, red tie. So there's even some science to this thing, and you, know, you, you can actually, you can actually. I mean, there's a lot of color psychology here. For instance, um, why is every warning symbol in the world red? Mm. The traffic light for stop is red. The warning um, symbols are all red. The reason is because when white light hits your eye, red reaches it first. So that's one reason. That's why every Ferrari is red. You know, if you look at Ferraris, they're all red. So they, they, they come across as very fast. So you look at a person in a brown suit and a, and a dark blue suit, you see two different things. So there's some, some element there. But again, your confidence, your atmosphere, your consciousness can override this. It can override this tremendously. So however, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt to just uh, be extremely presentable when you meet with people and people like that. Jim, we've got to go into a few messages. Uh, we'll be back in just a bit to continue this discussion. With less than three months before we enter 2024 today on Raise Your Game, we've been exploring the psychology that goes into closing, closing sales, including factors that influence uh, the closing of your sales, overcoming objections, and how to best follow up with prospects till you seal the deal. I'm Roshan Gunnison. Keep it here to Raise Your Game on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Because friends matter. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, welcome back to Raise Your Game. I'm Roshan Kanison, and with less than three months left before we enter 2024, we're now in crunch time for sales teams to meet their targets and KPIs for the year. And that's why over the last three weeks here on Raise Your Game, we've been focusing on sales. And today on our third and final episode, Jeevan Saladevan, the founder of Leverage Lab, takes a focus on the psychology that goes into closing a sale. Uh, Jeevan, earlier we talked about the big four in terms of the psychology of closing Mm -hmm. sales. We had beliefs, skills, values, and identity. Uh, If you miss any part of that conversation, you can check out the podcast when it comes out in a few hours. Just head on to bfm.my or use the BFM app. Um, Now, let's take a look at overcoming objections. So there are are three parts to, to the psychology of closing sales. The first is the big four, which is belief, skills, values, and identity. The second part is overcoming objections. So when it comes to objections, so I often get salespeople telling me there's so many kinds of objections, but you realize when you really look at it, they all fall under four categories and that's it. Every objection in the world falls under one of these four categories. So the first one is no time. The person just doesn't have time to sit down and take a look at what is it that you're trying to offer. Second objection, when they say I can't afford it and this and that, is all no money. So the first is no time, second is no money, third is no need. They already have this product or service and they don't need it anymore. And the fourth one, which is the biggest, 80% of all objections fall here, is no desire. So when you come, when it comes to handling objections and overcoming objections, what's really important is that a person become very professional and study the objection according to the category that it is in. For instance, if it's a no-time objection, then work with the prospect on scheduling a time. Say, hey, look... I understand you're flying off to Japan today. Why don't we do this? As soon as you come back from Japan, I'll give you a call. Then we schedule an appointment because you might not have your calendar or with you since you're going to be away for three weeks. Why don't you come back then and schedule? So the only rule is I tell people is don't schedule, don't accept any appointment outside of two weeks. Mm. 
when someone doesn't want to see you they'll throw you far into the future so don't accept that if they throw you give you an appointment 3 weeks from now very likely they're going to cancel it or they're not going to have it so don't accept it wait for them to come back then you schedule the appointment again so that's a no time objection no money objection talk to the person and see if there are other options payment plans other ways to go about this if they really want this product or service but if you keep getting that then you got to understand it's it's a wrong target market you could be just selling to the wrong target market a no need objection this is actually a good one and you must learn how to also walk away from a sale and tell them i think you're in very good hands if this is brilliant can i keep in touch with you should should your situation change in the future and you have a need for these services and products i can bring it across again so that's something to keep in touch and a fine one no desire you got to go back through the previous two sessions and do a lot of work there so <laughs> so it's a really very straightforward handling objections is but don't use tricks of the trade you know like i've heard people say nonsense like you know speak really quickly and if they can't understand you they'll close they will they will buy so i mean you, you don't want stuff like that you want to just sit down with them and try and understand an objection is just a response they're just responding to a situation and when you take it like that and you don't take it personally then you can start to work through and really look at the situation so when how do you balance with the, the no time factor here um how do you balance between uh being proactive versus not uh, versus not being too pushy in terms of getting the time there at appointment i would change the way in which you reach the prospect so for example rather than just keep bugging them on the whatsapp and skip saying can i have an appointment can i have one find other ways say hey by the way uh, john we have a networking function being organized here and there are a lot of um, there are many people that you can also benefit from in terms of your industry why didn't you come along So you see there can be many ways Attaching to do value this value to it exactly so you got to think out of exactly. the box like it's not sometimes you got a desire a generic yes, desire yes. in getting that appointment as Correct. well and you can say something like hey i just found i was traveling in singapore and i found a book that you mentioned you were really looking for i bought it for you can i can we meet up for a coffee i got your book you see there's so many ways to go about this you know mm. it's just that people just use the same old whatsapp way so i would say give have some creativity here you know try some different methods to keep in touch and to get this person to see you try different different ways to do that and and with no money um you mentioned some strategies maybe do a payment plan that mm-hmm. sort of thing but what are the red flags then to watch out for to say okay this is the wrong target market or it's time to walk away when you look at everything you do and they still can't afford it and it's still not within their range as a very good chance it's just a wrong market like if you're selling a huge very uh, costly software and this is a small business a three man show kind of business and they can't really afford it and then maybe it's not time yet but it, but having said that you must understand this it could be time in 2 years mm. or 1 year so keeping in touch is also important when someone can't afford something right now let's say a person wants to buy a mercedes e class and he can't afford it yet he could probably be in a place to afford it in a year mm. so the keeping in touch part is also very important Um so it's just that with objections you cannot take it personally you got to work with it you work through it with the person sit down with them and really work through it and you when you when you're professional about it it becomes a lot easier as well yeah and which brings us now to the final skill which is follow up yeah. now this one let me tell you a story so you'll get, <laughs> you'll get a really different look at this one i want to t- talk to you about a man named joe gerard Now who's George Gerard? George Gerard, if you look at the Guinness Book of World Records, he's the world's number one salesman. Number one salesman in the world and I don't think anyone has ever beaten his record. Uh the p- typical car salesman out there, uh George sold cars. I think he's passed away now. And he sold cars and the typical car salesman would sell something like um three or four cars a month. Joe sold six cars a day. Wow. And so well, there you go, world's number one salesman and he wrote a couple of books as well. So what did joe do so here's what here's the story the back story 
And so so Joe went and joined this one company and um, he was very excited and the people were really nice to him and everything. Then he went home and told his wife, hey, I joined a really awesome company and everything and they love me. I love them. It's really good. But the wife's a very practical woman. She asked him, said, Joe, did you sell anything today? You know, did you get any, uh, did you get any sales? Did you get any commission? He says, no, but you know, I really like the company. He says, then Joe, if you didn't get anything, what are the kids going to eat? Mm-hmm. And then suddenly Joe realized that he didn't even have money to buy a carton of milk. And he started crying and realized, wow, I can't do this. So he went to work the next day. He sat down, he tore out like I think the first 37 pages of the phone book and he just started calling and calling and calling. Well, nothing much happened. Some prospects came here and there, but eventually Joe came up with a strategy, brilliant strategy. Here's what Joe did. If you ever bought a car from Joe, you will get one card a month every month for the rest of your life from Joe. For example, January, Happy New Year. Roshan, I, li- I like you, Joe Gerard. February, Happy Valentine's Day. I like you, Joe Gerard. March, Happy Easter. I like you, George. And you just keep getting these cards. After five years, you're still getting the cards every month. So let's say now your cousin wants to buy a car. Where do you send him? Joe. Let's say your best friend wants to buy a car. Where do you send him? Joe. And then he gets cards every month, every single month. And... This is insane. People used to walk in and say, is Joe here? And they, oh, he's on leave today. Can I take your order? I said, no, I want Joe. And he refused to become a manager because I think his commission was better as a salesman. So mm-hmm. he stayed a salesman until he finally retired. And so what, what happened here? So when you look at this, and this eventually Joe became the world's greatest salesman, Guinness Book of World Records. So what happened here? Joe had what many salespeople don't have. Joe had something called next steps. Every time you you bought a car from Joe, there was a lot of next steps. Joe had next steps, whether it was with prospects, clients, he had next steps. The challenge with many people is when they talk to a prospect or a client, they don't have a next step. The person shows interest, then they may have a next step. But if they show uh, lukewarm interest, there's no next step. And Joe had a system. So you want to really look at your follow-up skill and ask yourself, do I have a system on how I will track all my next steps with my prospects. Let's say you meet 17 people. Three of them are really interested and you're really excited now. So you focus on the three, but you forgot the other 14. And the other 14 could have been just lukewarm and not really that keen, but in a year, they can be very interested. And because you didn't do anything, someone else may make the sale with the other 14. But the three, yeah, you probably get it. So what are your next steps with every single prospect that you ever meet? What's your follow-up system? What's your next step system? And that's the big area of follow-up. You've got to really sit down and work this one out. And if if you're telling yourself that every prospect, I'll touch them six times in a year, very good chance you'll close more sales than most people in your industry. And this is important. So I have a golden sentence I share with everyone. I call it Jeevan's golden sentence. And here's what it is. Every prospect, a client, comma, if not today, tomorrow, or next week, or next month, or next year. Every prospect a client, if not today, tomorrow, or next week, or next month, or next year. And the salespeople that do that, they close more sales than anybody else. So that's the whole key. So that's how you put it all together. How do you balance between good follow-up versus becoming spam? Uh, So here's where it needs to be more personalized. The follow-up needs to be a little bit more personalized, not just a random WhatsApp, bing, bang, boom, and then person that, can you take me off your list, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you've had those. It was exactly what I was thinking about here. Exactly. So I'm sure you had that. But if the person's a bit more personal, we say, hey, Roshan, haven't heard from you in a while, just letting you know that we're having this event and I thought it'll benefit you tremendously. It's very different from just a spam of, we have an event and boom, 
30, 30 photographs of, of any brand coming up, which drive you nuts, and as, as it holds your WhatsApp. So, so it's a, have a more personalized next step system and have it with every one of your prospects until you close them. Do you have to you know, reapply a diagnostic here to see high-value clients or potential yeah, high-value When you are doing the diagnostic, all these information should have come out. Mm. So when you first did the diagnostic with the prospect, you should start to see, okay, this person uh, would belong into this category or, or A category, B category, C. So you've already established all of the factors that will motivate John to buy. Correct. So do you're not treating you know, every prospect or every client in the same, same yes, vein, right? Because yes. you, it's, exactly. you've also got efficiencies and exactly. optimization to keep so in mind. It's very personalized. So then the whole follow-up system should be very personalized. So you understand mm-hmm. that different categories of clients who would buy different levels of, of purchasing. Do you have any insight into the psychology behind this? Is it, you know, it, it's a, it seems like a long-term customer client acquisition tool. Oh, yeah. Is this remaining top of mind? Yes. Well, here's the thing. Um, with, with the salesperson, the issue is instant gratification. So they just want everything instantly and they don't have a long-time perspective. Now, for the customer, you want to forever be at the back of their mind. Mm. You want to. That's why you find all the big brands, they advertise a lot, whether it's Volvo, Mercedes, or BMW. Uh, they all, they're always out there in the news. They're always, always at the back of your mind. You can, you can watch this, you know, when you, when you go to KLIA, and you just paid the toll. Look at the billboards on the left-hand side. See what appears. Mm. As you're driving, you'll see Nikon, Canon. And then when you go to Duty Free, you're thinking of them. So it's very interesting, <laughs> you know. It's just, this is all a strategy. Mm. It's You want to always be at the back of their mind. So they think, hey, you know, I haven't heard from Roshan in a while. I think I should, uh, I should buy this. I should look at this. So you're constantly at the back. If you touch a person six times a year, you're the person of choice when they're going to buy that product, not your competitor. Yeah, but it's also important to add value, That's be personalized. Right. In the way you touch their, their don't lives. Don't send spam. Correct, correct. You don't spam them, you so add value. Spam is a common mistake, I presume, right. when it comes to all this. What are the other common mistakes when we take a look at this last part, Jeevan, from, from the psychology think, of sales um, to this? I think the whole word boring comes in. Salespeople just take a whole boring approach. And today there's just so much innovation, so many things you can do, many ways you could reach out to prospect. Imagine, for example, Big Bad Wolf that comes out, uh, I think once a year or twice a year, you get books going, business books going for five ringgit. You could go there with two suitcases and buy a whole bunch of business books and you could courier it out to your prospects and say, hey, a little gift for me, happy Christmas. You know, you could do so many things. You could you could send them a, a, a box of tea and say, have a cup of tea on me while you think about what, I, what I've written here for you. There's so many ways you can go about this. Um, but the important thing is, is get innovative. In today's world, you want to be a bit innovative in the way in which you reach someone to add value to their lives. Be very innovative in the way you do that. So you want to wrap up, let's tie all this together. Maybe uh, a summary of the last three weeks coming in today. Okay, so um, so for everyone out there, who's uh, those who've been following the series, uh, this last three episodes, or those who are new to it, uh, this essentially we've covered a whole bunch of skills. Let me just quickly run it through it. The first skill we looked at was building rapport. Build tremendous rapport with your prospects when, when you meet them. Second skill was a prospect diagnostic skill, learning how to ask very good questions to establish what are the factors that motivate them to buy. The third skill was building value around your products and services. We looked at things like the magic story and things like that. Fourth um, skill, we looked at generating desire, where you learn my formula, the FBAT formula, which is an absolutely brilliant formula to generate desire. And the fifth skill, we looked at the whole psychology of closing. Then we looked at the sixth skill today, which is overcoming objections. And finally, the seventh skill, which is follow-up. So put all of this together and you have a nuclear weapon, literally. Jivan, it's been a pleasure. Uh, Till next time, thank you so much. Very good. See you soon. 
Folks, you've been listening to business coach Jeevan Zahadevan, the founder of Leverage Lab here on Raise Your Game. We've been talking over the last three weeks about how to close more sales, essentially. All the episodes can be found on the BFM website at bfm.my, uh, the BFM app as well, or wherever you get your podcast. Just search up Raise Your Game. I'm Roshan Kanesan. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.